Hey traders, welcome to another Performante podcast. This is going to be episode 16. And in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the death of the United States dollar. So uh, thank you very much for joining us again for yet another daily podcast. So uh, I'll hand it over to Nathan. Hey everyone, welcome to the 16th episode. Again, thanks for tuning in to these December podcasts. Hope that we can make your day a little bit better because we got some news coming right at you. We're just going to start off with some of the crypto headlines from the day. So jumping right into it, we have a story coming out of the Democratic Congress representatives. from he's, His name is Rohan Gray. He's an advisor, and he put forth a bill to ban all stablecoins because he's kind of of the opinion that the Tether money printing situation is a little bit suspicious. And the easiest way to solve the situation and other nefarious alternatives would be a broad spectrum ban of US dollar tether, PAX, DAI, USDC, all of them banned. Uh, and what's kind of sketchy about it is that he's trying to have it skipped through Congress and immediately passed. And there's been a pretty strong backlash from the community, specifically, crypto Twitter has been pretty vocal about it with like the Pomp, Binklevoss, Brian Armstrong, all kind of chipping in with their two thoughts. From the Rohan Gray's Twitter, it just seems like he doesn't really understand the technology. I think that he's got a misrepresentation of what's going on. But that's just my two cents. That was one of the big news stories today coming out of Washington. Another notable one is that the S&P Dow Jones company is going to be launching a a crypto index in 2021. We don't know the exact details. They said it would compose the top 550 coins, which is a lot. There's a lot of shit coins. And so that kind of calls into question how it's going to get structured. They could kind of take like a top-down approach where maybe they go by large market cap. So single purchase index fund, you can get Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, Litecoin, like your massive crypto market caps. So maybe you could get like a DeFi index similar to Binance Futures, Link, Band, Ethereum, etc. Kind of that decentralized structure. Maybe a transactional index, Dash, Monero, Horizon, etc. I don't know. There's a lot of different permutations for how it could work, but I think in terms of accessibility and money inflow, this is comparable news to PayPal coming on board. Just because of the logistics of how many more people and how much more capital hypothetically could have exposure to the crypto market without having to necessarily go out there, set up a wallet, transfer money, and go through mm-hmm. the hoops that some investors might have to right now to get exposure. Totally. I love seeing the reduction of friction and the ability to get exposure in crypto through equities. I think that's a great option for people who don't want to set up a wallet, set up a uh, either like a ledger or a treasure or whatever, even if you're going to be doing a software wallet, it just makes a lot of sense if you're not really tech savvy in order to save yourself the headache. And it's pretty easy to uh, take the wrong step. If you're ordering a ledger, also for anyone listening, please always go to the source. Don't go on Amazon. Don't go on Craigslist or whatever third party website. Always go to the source of wherever you're getting your hardware wallets because you know that they're going to be legitimate. So just something on a side note to uh, be careful. So uh, yeah, just another tech tip to add on to that. 
Never copy and paste your private key or seed phrase when you're on mobile, just because it's possible for any app that is open to read, surveil it, and possibly pass that information on. That's something that should preferably done be done with all apps closed, maybe even on airplane mode if it is an offline wallet that's stored on your phone. Just trying to reduce the possible surveillance of that sacred, sacred phrase that protects your investment. Uh, and just one last piece of news that I thought was kind of interesting is that there's a lot of rumors and speculation that Spotify might start utilizing cryptocurrencies as a payment method. And I think that's interesting because when you look at these conglomerates that are offering crypto credit cards, like for example, crypto.com or the Binance one, whose name I forget, Pretty much the first perk that they offer when you stake their project is free Spotify, which is interesting to see that there are, like, if you're using a crypto credit card and your monthly fee is covered by your staking and you get free Spotify as a result, clearly there has to be some kind of cooperation between the two entities already. So it's not too far of a leap for them or for Spotify to start accepting crypto. I don't think I would pay for my Spotify with crypto, but it's still interesting to see that there must be some level of corporate cooperation when it comes to these settling these kinds of payments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely well said. I think uh, time now to talk about the US dollar, kind of the main topic of the podcast in terms of the title. And I think it's a good way to start to... Uh, go a little bit into the history of the United States dollar, kind of what happened and uh, how I think we are living something that's already happened in the past to some degree. And what uh, the thing we're going to talk about is the period between around 1930 and the Great Depression and then World War II soon after the Great Depression. What happened was the central banks had to lower interest rates and they got to the lowest the country has ever seen. It was just at around the 2% range, and it had to stay there for around a decade because they couldn't raise them. Um, they were in a war, they had a lot of debt because they were funding the war, they'd just gone through a Great Depression, so they didn't really have a whole lot of money to pay back the debt, so they just kept on uh, keeping the interest rates low, basically creating money out of nothing through credit, and uh, that created a massive uh, worry of kind of fear of the dollar fading away, and there was a point in time where they had to discontinue the relationship between a certain amount of uh, weight for a gold uh, boolean coin or boolean uh, amount of weight in gold comparable to a single dollar with that you could exchange at a bank. So this was, I believe, in 1971. Yep, Nixon closed the gold window, and that was when the end. That was the end of the Bretton Woods system. Uh, which was the relationship between a certain amount of dollars turns into gold and you could actually interchange them. And once that ended, you basically had an infinite amount of money that you could print. There was no amount of reserve that you needed to have in order to represent uh, in relationship to the United States dollars that are circulating around. And that created a window where you could print as much as you want. And there was massive inflation. If you look at the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, it was shooting through the roof and it was a really big issue. They got over it. 
But at this time, I, I think we are entering a phase where they've realized this. Modern uh, MMT, right? Uh, I believe modern... Modern money theory? No, MMT. Modern monetary theory. And what this basically represents is you can basically print as much money as you want. Um, it's not going to really negatively impact the economy because A, there's going to be 70% of it going not into the actual country. 70% of the US dollars is actually not in the United States. So a lot of the countries will actually see the inflation, not the United States. It's a pretty wild theory, but I think a lot of people forget economic history and... Um, there was a time not too far along ago where the US dollar was absolutely plummeting because there was extremely low interest rates and there was a lot of credit being created. And I think we're in a very similar time right now where we have a, we have basically 0% for interest rates and we're basically creating free money. And it, it's impossible for a certain asset to get printed out of thin air at an exorbitantly quick rate without having any sort of repercussions. It's never, it's never been successful in history. So I do not think that this is going to be something that's going to be different. I think it's going to be the same as every other fiat currency that's been on this planet that's gone up and then has slowly diminished and faded away. So I think there will be a time where there's going to be a shift between fiat currencies, or at least the United States dollar being the world reserve currency, into something else. Um, could be cryptocurrencies, you never know. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I think it'd be a little bit bumpy and volatile of a ride. But uh, overall, I think it's needed. And uh, we will see where it takes us. Let's just yeah, I feel like ultimately, humans have a technology to adopt technology that solves problems. We, we love the wheel. We adore the iPhone. Like that spectrum of if we like technology and it makes our lives easier, we'll probably do it. In itself implies that I think cryptocurrency for that reason is here to stay. It's a different monetary perspective. It's a different toolkit to solve problems. Because if we look at like, let's call it the COVID stimulus and how it's really shifted the global economy in terms of its overall structure and function, but also how people do business. So the federal budget deficit for the 2020 year was $3.1 trillion. That was the deficit for just USA. Insane. <laughs> that is over 100% of their GDP. Meaning, yeah, like, they're net negative for the year. And 22 million jobs were lost between March and April. And since that point, the U.S. economy has recovered under half of them. Wow. Yeah, that's brutal. So there's a lot of, there's like a fundamental storm brewing, let's call it. Mm -hmm. And we're our bucket to drain the water out of our boat is inflation, but that hole is only getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And everyone's paying for it. Yeah. The, I think the, the events that have transpired in the last 12 months are, will be felt for the next 12 years, if not more. Like we're entering such a positive feedback cycle. I pick those numbers out of thin air, but what's kind of been started 
with this inflationary positive feedback cycle, it's virtually impossible to put the brakes on because the only answer to that is pretty much human suffering in that you have to stop giving everyone money. You have to massively deflate the economy. And that's not something that any politician wants to do because people will die as a direct result because of unemployment. There will be massive unrest and no politician in their self-surviving mechanisms would enact that kind of change. Mm -hmm. Because realistically, that deflationary break, that deflationary stop is what could bring the economy back in line. But from a political perspective, it doesn't really make sense. Nope, definitely not. Especially when you, you become hear... the you become the president to stay the president. Yeah, exactly. You're not like, yo, I'm just gonna go there, hit the brakes, everyone will hate me, and then I'm done in like two years or less, maybe. Yep, that's the... watch this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the worry with uh, politicians when you're only in power for let's say four years, is you're only gonna make changes that are only gonna last short term. You're not really able to look at the long term, which is very flawed yeah i read in a book that four-term presidents no or they don't do that much because they spend the four, first four terms undoing what the last president did it just in terms of like democrat versus republican views mm -hmm. and then the next four years is where they can actually enact change and shift how a country operates but four years in itself is not enough yeah especially when the government takes forever to do anything Oh, yeah, the Congress, the snail. Yeah, yeah, it seems to be that way in life. <laughs> yeah. The other thing that's funny is how obsessed we are over U.S. politics and U.S. economics, even though we're Canadian. We're just the little neighbor up north. We don't have a say in how USA runs, but we're awfully opinionated about it. Yeah, I almost feel like they're cre it's creating more of a reality show where, like, Donald Trump was obviously a star in his own TV show, and I think the reality TV type of question and rebuttals is, like, more entertaining. I think it's a joke. Like, I'm sure you and I both saw... Uh, it was an absolute joke where they had their presidential speech and their and their discussion and conversation, and they literally couldn't get a single sentence out without one of them interrupting each other. Yeah, that was an absolute gong show when uh, Biden and Trump were duking it out on stage, and it was just like screaming. And Biden at one point was like, "Can you shut up, man?" <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I I would be so frustrated because you don't want to look unprofessional, but you can't manage trying to ex even explain let alone exp like have one sentence come out of your mouth without trump actually trying yeah to, like, like you can't have a constructive out. conversation like that it's just yelling over top of each other i remember for the following debates the tv producers were muting like the non-participating person's mic so like the, the the debate coordinator would give somebody their like two or three minutes or whatever short amount of time that they get and the other person would be muted. So even if they wanted to interrupt, they would just like move their mouth and stuff. That's, but you couldn't hear anything. That's so bad. It's so sad that you actually have to do that. Yeah, right? I'm pretty sure that's the first time it's ever had to happen in the debates. Yeah, I, I could see that. I feel like it's just getting more of an entertainment show, which is the, pretty sad, but... 
the two like 80 year old men were just interrupting each other too much yeah. too hopped up on adderall yeah dude well they gotta get uh they gotta get the energy somehow i feel like yeah right at 80 crazy stuff well um should we uh wrap it up here yeah let's wrap it up that was a great episode thanks for tuning in everyone hearing us chat shit about the u.s dollar as canadians you know how it is just gotta keep an eye on the global economics just because everything's integrated you gotta understand the whole picture before you can understand a portion of it very true well said thank you very much for watching we appreciate it until next time have a good one traders